0: Welcome to episode one of the Joy Superpowers series. Today I'm going to be talking with Chris Shambra. Chris is best-selling author of Gratitude and Pasta, the secret source for human connection. Forbes ranks his for the second book of 2020 to create human connection. USA Today calls Chris their gratitude guru, and he's a founding member of Rolling Stone's Cultural Council. Chris is founder of the 747 Gratitude Experience, an evidence-based framework used to strengthen client and team relationships in profound ways. He's used the principles of gratitude to spark over 500,000 relationships around the dinner table, serving Fortune 50 CEOs, Olympians, Academy Award winners, Grammy Award winners, Super Bowl champions, and more. And recently, Chris was honoured alongside Michael Phelps, Chris Evans, Kid Curdy, and several others as six successful men smashing the mental health stigma by the Good Men Project. So welcome, Chris.
1: Um, I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. Hey, Andrew, you know, you're, you're doing such great work around the principles of joy and gratitude has such a, a tight link into that. And so it's an honor to be here with you today. That is so
0: wonderful. And I know I'm excited to hear what you've got to say about gratitude and I'm <laughs> sure our audience are too. But first of all, could you give us some insight into your own gratitude journey? Um, Is it something you always felt passionate about or did you find the spark a bit later in your life?
1: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting question because, you know, growing up, I was, I was so hard on myself. And there were, there were moments, many moments in life where people were afraid of who I might be or or what I could become. Mm. I had a lot of boisterous energy. I was prone to say or or do the wrong things, Uh, a path that led me down a long life of suicide, depression, jail, rehab. Mm. And so in order, so to answer your question, I did not have much gratitude because I thought that the only way I would get out of that general state of malaise Mm. was to bullheadedly with ego fight my way and prove them wrong all right you're a fighter and 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 that is that is not necessarily the best thing to do in life Mm. you know i always thought i had the right answer or i wanted people to see my way and that's not a that's not a posture of gratitude right gratitude is the acknowledgement that you've received some sort of benefit or value from others and And then to take the action to either pay that back or pay it forward. And I didn't do much of that. And the awakening happened around July of 2015. You know, if you looked at my life then, sure, you'd see a pretty decent life on paper. I was running a company in a different industry. We had achieved some accolades, some awards, the respect of our peers. I had a nice family and friends. Life looked pretty good, Mm. but it didn't feel so good. You know, it was all a hoax. It was smoke and mirrors. It took returning, from, returning home to New York from producing a, a Broadway play in Italy. And Italy absolutely changed my life. It was the way they walked, the way they talked, the way they honored history, the way they communicated. And when I got back to New York City, I realized I really need to find this type of joy that right. they feel over there. And, you know, I realized upon further inspection, what actually changed my whole life over there was the food. So back home <laughs> in my kitchen in New York City, I started playing around with different recipes and accidentally created my own pasta sauce recipe, okay. which I figured I should you know, probably feed to people to see if it was even good or, or not good. And I decided to host a gathering. And a ritual began night after night, week after week, month after month. We'd invite people into our home at the time. Now they're all over the world, but uh, we'd invite people into our home. We'd work together to create the meal. We'd serve each other. We'd have some pretty good conversations. A lot of people would cry and they'd leave feeling pretty transformed. And these dinners saved my life. You know, a great TED talk by the name of Johan Hari once said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's human connection. I realized that general malaise I felt in life is that I had so much ego, I couldn't authentically connect with others. And these dinners were solving that immediate pain point. But upon further inspection, Andrew, I realized it wasn't the pasta sauce that kept them coming back. It was pretty good. But no, it's what we talked about at every dinner. See, at that very first dinner, we asked a simple question. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, who would that be? Right. And we saw people get the safe space needed to open up and share some amazing stories of mm-hmm. people in their past. And when they did that, either they'd recollect some positive relationship from their past, or they'd recollect some negative experience in their past that just by talking about it helped destigmatize the negative emotion and allowed them to find the positive consequence from that negative life experience. And I realized, holy crap, this is the secret sauce for human connection. And so we devoted our life to gratitude. We've learned a lot about it since, and it's something we'll dedicate the rest of our life to.
0: That is so wonderful. I mean, I think that story of Italy is so wonderful. I was talking to uh, Rachel Cole on my last podcast, who was, uh, who's author of a book called Choose Happiness. And she told a similar story about her aha moment, but I think that was in France where she was on vacation and, and you know, there was sort of a family in their barn sort of sitting down for, for lunch. And mm-hmm. they went on their tour of the, the town or whatever. And you know three hours later, come back and that family's still sitting there. <laughs> and, you know, maybe a couple of bottles of wine later. Um, but, you know, they're just enjoying their company, that genuine connection, that genuine belonging, that general gratitude for each other's company, which somehow yeah. we've lost in our society, I think, as we've become egoistic and individual and all worried about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, you know, sometimes we have to travel to to find these truths.
1: Yeah, tra- I mean, travel is a great source of empathy. Mm. Empathy is the art of imaginatively stepping into the shoes of another person, understanding their feelings and perspectives, and using that knowledge to guide your action. So we can get to empathy. We can develop empathy either by reading a book, traveling, sitting in your assistant's armchair, just seeing life from a different perspective than your own. And we think that gratitude is a big proponent of that. Because when you sit around the table and you share stories of gratitude and you tell stories about people that the people around the dinner table are never going to meet, right. um, you gain perspective into this person's life. You gain connection in knowing that y'all have a lot of things in common. right? When we talk about gratitude, there's not many things you can really give gratitude to in life from a contextual format. Right. Right? It's like William Chaucer's round tables there's only so many characters in our life there's a mother a father a dog a teacher a neighbor a stranger a friend someone who hurt you or helped you the stories the content is different but those characters allow us to connect yeah um And so it's beautiful to be able to travel and communicate and and ask our gratitude question to people in different countries, because they have such vastly different answers that derive from a core set of different values across geographical boundaries. And, you know, when you learn that there are other people who survive on this Mm. planet, you realize it's not your way or the highway. There are other ways of looking at the world.
0: Right. Different ways of the same experience being experienced um, in different fashions by, by different people. And I think mm-hmm. there's two things, right? One, you're not alone. Um, your experiences, however terrible they feel in the moment, are, are not unique. Mm-hmm. Um, other people have lived through them and survived and even thrived from those. Oh, yeah. Sharing that is so powerful, right? I think that's great. And, but I think it's amazing you fell on this sort of, I suppose, stumbled on it through accident in a way. Um, some could say it was meant to be obviously um, a purpose, but I know you've done a lot of work on the science around this as well um, and understanding the science of gratitude.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And do you think you sort of explain a little bit about what that sort of, of research
1: course. and the science has told you? You know, <clears throat> in the world of positive psychology, there's only two things that have a lasting impact after after a positive psychology, micro intervention, mindfulness and gratitude. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness is about coming into the present, developing a state of being acknowledging that if we died tomorrow, the real true only thing we'd lose is this present moment. The past has already occurred and the future might never happen. So all all you're really losing is your state of being Mm -hmm. So once you can come into the present, then you can use gratitude to dive into the past. See, we walk around these worlds right now, fearful and overwhelmed by what may come tomorrow, right? In in this, you know, every, everybody goes through hard times all the time, but in the state of the world, like today, the future has never looked so unknown for a positive or negative benefit. And so when you're in that constant state of fear or anxiety, it tends to do bad things to your body and to your health, Mm. stress, anxiety, depression, isolation, disconnection, social comparison, fear of missing out. These are all future oriented things. Gratitude is the link to our past. Mm -hmm. Gratitude. uh, The past has already happened. And so, from a scientific you know point of view, the past is a constant, the future is an unknown variable. Mm. And so we like to dive back there. And what many people have found is that gratitude is the link to processing or coping with life experiences. If something positive happens to you and you get to tell a story about that positive experience, you relive that positive emotion. You share it with others. If something negative happens to you in your past and you talk about that or you write it down, just the act of doing that destigmatizes the negative emotion and actually rewires your brain, broadens and builds its ability, thought action repertoire needed for joy, hope, optimism, self-confidence and self efficacy so it actually de-stresses you and it rewires the brain to make you more creative and innovative. And there's tons and tons and tons of stories about how gratitude inspires moral courage and integrity and pro-social behavior. Um, but, but there's, you know, fortunately, gratitude has been around for, you know, tens of thousands of years. I mean, the origins of social reciprocity date back to Rezus, monkeys, food sharing, and grooming. Right. It's been called the moral memory of mankind. It's been called the parent of all virtues. It's directly linked to stoic philosophy that have held, helped philosopher kings rule great empires. Mm. And science is now starting to catch up. Now, there's a lot of ways that modern that the modern world does gratitude wrong. For instance, there's, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a movement around gratitude journals and manifest your destiny and blah, blah, blah. Mm. All that positivity guru bullshit. There's no actually evolutionary benefit of reliving a positive emotion. Mm. So we don't like that version of gratitude. I don't care. I don't care what you're positively grateful for. I'd rather use gratitude As the link to overcome fear, Mm. regret, guilt, shame from a negative autobiographical memory from your past so that you can learn, overcome adversity, and understand that the obstacle is the way. Marcus Aurelius, the great philosopher king, the emperor Mm. of Rome from 160 to 181 AD once said, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. There's not winning or losing. There's just winning or learning, Mm -hmm. and gratitude can help you do that. See, most people use gratitude wrong either by thinking it's something they do once a year at Thanksgiving or they think it's something they write down first thing in the morning in a journal and they they store it away where no one else can see it. No, gratitude is an inherently pro-social tool used to connect you with others. Mm -hmm. The act of gratitude is both giving back and paying forward. And it comes through stories because stories help us connect. Yeah,
0: I think that's that is so true. Um, it becomes a tool for belonging in a way. It connects back to belonging, mm-hmm. as you talked about. Um, and, and, you know, we know from our own research that this genuine belonging is one of the key foundations of a, of a joyful life. Uh, whether that's family, friends, work, colleagues, community, it doesn't matter what level you need that sense of belonging and to use gratitude as a way to build that social connection mm-hmm. seems so simple yet so powerful. So I don't know yeah. why we haven't done it more often, to be honest with you. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, g- gratitude helps you develop a posture of otherness. Mm. As we mentioned earlier, it helps lower the ego. It helps you admit you're not the smartest person in the room and that you need the the benefits or the help of others in order to get by. I mean, if you look back in ancient hunter-gatherer tribes, we had a very immediate fight-or-flight response to something that occurred around us, and you had to rely on communal or tribal support in order to not die. You had to learn to get along with others, or you would be kicked out of your small tribe and fed to the wolves, So it's this great pro-social benefit. Mm. And if you look in modern day times, you can point to stories of how grateful, resilient, communal places are actually more healthy, more joy-filled, lower rates of suicide and depression Take London, for instance, in 1940 during the 57-day air raids from Germany, the Great Blitzkrieg, suicide and depression rates went down in the middle of London in the middle of this 57-day blitz because the community came together to support each other. That's a posture of otherness. Yeah. So it's not every man for himself. It's rely on the, the support, the social support from others, and then either pay that benefit back or pay it forward. And that's how you get through trying times. We saw the same thing in Sarajevo in the 90s. Uh, you, know, you see the same thing amongst Native American tribes uh, fighting you know, the Apaches, fighting the, uh, the Spanish conquistadors. You, you have all these great stories from history. Hmm. so
0: let's focus that on, on also something in people's lives which is very important which is work yeah uh, and, the, and many people suffer with a lack of belonging a, a lack of joy at work so you know tell us a bit about the 747 virtual gratitude experience and the role that has in growing this
1: sense of genuine belonging in companies it's been said that peer-to-peer gratitude is one of the greatest tools for employee retention known to mankind, not the gratitude that comes from leadership down at the bottom or from bottom down up to the mentors at the leadership level, but peer-to-peer. Right. So gratitude can take a hierarchical, very linear, very structured organization and kind of turn it perpendicular to where they're seeing each other as peers. And where that comes into our virtual gratitude experience, I'll talk about it from a team building perspective mm-hmm. and then from a leader being seen as a servant leader after the experience. So, number one, our virtual gratitude experiences are these evidence based, proven framework, 90 minute micro interventions that guarantee with a 99.998% historical accuracy a guaranteed positive emotional transformation. Mm-hmm. So you bring a whole team into an experience and we will prove, we will listen, we will learn. That they likely feel miserable,
0: right.
1: tired, lonely, sad, overwhelmed, cautious, nervous, anxious. And then we put them through our process. And then with 99.998% accuracy, they get spit out, grateful, connected, happy, joy. And so what you're seeing is that this intervention is the spark of connection through breakout groups and facilitated group discussions and storytelling and all that kind of stuff. It's the spark needed to inspire further engagement when people leave our virtual gratitude experience Not only have they practiced gratitude, they've practiced mindfulness together, they've practiced gratitude together, and they've uncovered the different values that each other stand for on the team. That creates belonging because they know they're not showing up based on what they do or how they do it, whatever the company does. They're showing up because they found a company of people believe in the same things they believe in the values of kindness family loyalty integrity trust that we pull out through our experience mm-hmm. that creates belonging they literally are in the right room at the right time they belong and so what this inspires is people to connect based on shared values mm-hmm. not just shared work titles And so the programs that we deliver after our experience are to create that type of peer-to-peer gratitude. We can work with a company to help them put up an anonymous gratitude wall where people can go and just give different things, you know, blah, blah, blah. See, when you're on a team, you're often asked to set these big, hairy, audacious goals. Mm. Well, the truth about goal setting is until you reach that big, hairy, audacious goal, it's technically a failure. Right. You know, you're like... 98% of the way does not cut it for a big hairy (laughs) audacious goal. But the great New York Jets quarterback Chad Pennington once said, in order to get the big goal, in order to achieve the big goals and the big wins, you have to achieve the small ones and celebrate them properly. Right. And you got to do that as a team from a peer level. Mm. It's a type of peer accountability, support, and enduring communal resources. From a leadership perspective, a lot of leaders have the problem that their team sees them as this absentee figurehead whose door they can't knock on when they mm. have a problem. They think that the boss is this mystical figure that they can't reach out to. And so what happens at these virtual gratitude experiences is it's all about creating the safe space for people to listen, to learn, to inquire, mm. to ask good questions, and, and, and just to empathize. And so if a leader, the CEO of a 100,000-person company, because our clients are Microsoft, Google, IBM, Dell, you name it, they are looking for this. Mm -hmm. When you have a leader who's thought of as the unknown figurehead they can't touch come and take up 90 minutes of their time to listen, learn, and empathize and practice gratitude amongst their team, they're seen now as a part of. And so oftentimes what we'll then do is we'll take an individual leader who had that challenge. You know, I'll give it a, I'll give a funny example uh, that's not even linked to our gratitude story is my dear friend Alex Benayan once spent seven years traveling around the world asking the world's most successful people how they got their start. And one day he was walking through the office of Zappos Mm -hmm. with Tony Hussai, rest in peace, The, the great founder and CEO who really birthed a massive cultural movement and he's walking around with tony alex's and all these people are staring at him at alex you know who who's this kid blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. and when they get into tony's office alex looks at him and says tony you know why was everybody staring at me like that it's almost like they were either jealous or resentful or envy that i got to spend time with you how come you don't you know, offer your time to your employees so that they can walk around the office with you. Mm. Tony says, Alex, I do. I have an open door policy. Anybody can approach me at any time, but nobody ever does. Right. See, that is that is a problem. He wants to be open, mm. but the people don't have the psychological safety needed to take the initiative. Correct. Yeah. And so then after the virtual gratitude experiences, we'll take a leader, whether it's the global COO of Citibank or it's the guy who works at the corporate office of a franchise system, mm. and we'll actually produce dozens of experiences where that leader has to be at every single one of them
0: yeah.
1: in order to develop them into a servant leader. Right? One of the great qualities of servant leadership is humility humility isn't thinking less of yourself it's just thinking about yourself less when he can think about them more he makes himself more accessible and this is what leads to creativity and innovation
0: that is a great story that's a great story because you know it's just not enough to just open the door right that's you know that that psychological barrier is still there um, within Mm -hmm. the hierarchy that you really have Mm -hmm. to walk the walk you have to get down onto the floor you have to be Mm -hmm. Connected that empathy with we your do, people.
1: We do a we do a great program with this nice mid market firm. They do about a billion a year. They got about forty five hundred employees, and they set up this thing called a reverse mentoring session, a reverse mm-hmm. mentoring program. It's about six months long. We use our gratitude experiences to bookend. Right to to right. on the front end and on the back end, and the sole goal is that an executive is paired with a lower level employee where the executive learns from that lower level employee, mm. and there's reverse yes. mentoring going on. Yeah, and that's that's meant to make them be seen more as peers than as some mystical figure. You know, an example of this at our gratitude experiences. You know, we always ask that question I mentioned earlier. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life mm-hmm. that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? Who have you never thought to thank? Let's say someone answers their older sister and you visibly see them kind of looking up into the sky, talking about the older sister, everything they've ever you know, learned from the older sister. They've always looked up to the older sister, blah, 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 boom, boom, boom. Then you look at that and say, hmm it sounds like you learned a lot from your older sister what do you think your older sister learned from you Mm. and you flip it on its head right um you know it's similar to alan watts law of reversed effort the more you Mm. try hard for something you know the more you try to make something positive the more negative it becomes the more negative you try to make something the more positive it becomes
0: push it away push it away yeah 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 It's amazing. Hearing the children in the background reminded me of of one of my other podcast guests, David Kristner, a while ago, who said that also as parents we should reverse role with our children uh, Mm -hmm. and have them as our teachers. Right?
1: What can Mm -hmm. they teach
0: us? And not oh yeah, change that relationship dynamic in the same way you talk about changing the dynamic between a boss. And an employee, you can also change that relationship between a parent oh, yeah. and a child. I
1: mean, I mean, wisdom has long been seen as something only um, that you only attain once you're old and almost dead. Mm. Is that in reflection, you look back on your life and you realize the things you've been through and what you've learned. Now, we have a theory that gratitude can hack that space-time continuum. Right. I like that. that when you can give gratitude in the moment to gratefully process some unpleasant thing you learn from it now a lot of the things that leaders have learned along the way happened in their childhood mm. happened in those early developmental years i mean eric erickson developed the nine stages of psychosocial development that he came out in 1958. That he then revamped in 1963 that essentially said, Oh, there are things that happen to you when you're 18 months old that literally affect how you act when you're 60, the same thing from three to five, from five to 11, et cetera. And so what your podcast guest was talking about is that you can go in and practice the principles of gratitude with a fully functioning child Mm. And ask them what they learn from an experience and they will give you a wise answer. Yeah, They will. They actually will. And what that does is that it helps the adult return back to that childlike state of joy, Correct. of play, hmm. of curiosity, of inquiry. And if you can do that, you can turn stagnation into generativity.
0: That's right. That is amazing. We're coming to the end, though, Chris, of our time um, together today. Oh, yeah, I know We could just... talk all day, right, on this, um, which is fantastic. Um, but I suppose, you know, I can't stop without asking you the question which you ask everybody else. Um, and you're going to say it much better than I do. But if you had to be grateful for somebody um, today, who would that be?
1: That I've never thought to thank. Yeah, that you never thought to thank. If I could give credit or thanks to one person in my life that I've never thought to thank, who would that be? I would say whoever invented the TED organization, hmm. TED Talks. TED Talk. And here, yeah. here, here's here's the story I'll tell. Is that the first live TED Talk I ever went to? was at the very start of this whole gratitude charade. And I was just a bowl of pasta sauce. I was just an observant dude. And I went to this place. And I, you know, at TED Talk events, there's like 10 speakers going back-to-back break, back-to-back break back to back break, giving their TED Talks. And the audience goes in the room, out of the room, in the room. Now from an experienced producers, because I have a history of producing Broadway plays, I love experiential architecture. I didn't go into the sessions to listen to the TED Talks. I knew I could listen to them online three days later, three weeks later, or whatever. What I did was I stood out in the lobby the whole freaking day and I observed the movement of the people whether it was the people that worked there or the actual audience. Mm. And I noticed that there was another dude who did the same thing. Didn't go into a single session. This six foot four handsome, very popular looking man. Mm. And I walked up to him and I introduced myself and his name was Jesse Israel. And he went on to found um, a bunch of different things, but, most notably, a a a, a massive modern med, a massive movement of meditate. Mo- fuck it, he went on to create That's something called the Big, That's okay. the Big Quiet, where he travels all over the world producing these massive meditations for modern people. Yeah. went. massive meditations, for modern people, and I mean, he was on tour with Oprah. He was on the, the boom. I mean, he's brought together hundreds no, probably millions of people by now. Mm. um, And it's just been such a a pleasure to be on the same parallel path as Jesse (sighs) over these last five years. And I'd go to his things. He'd come to my things. Uh, I don't even think we've ever gotten together and actually sat down one-on-one for, you know, an extended period of time, but we just have that mutual respect. Mm. And over the last three days, I took his meditation course. I've been meditating for years, but I wanted to take his flavor of teaching. Yeah. And, and at the end of it, with all these people on the call, all these great people doing all these amazing things, at the end of the call, at the end of the last teaching yeah. session last night, he said, I'd like to acknowledge someone very special in our presence. I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to call in that girl. I know she does that thing or that girl. I don't even know what you do. Mm-hmm. But he says, Chris Shembra. Wow. I said, what? He says, I've been watching Chris's work from afar for five years. Mm-hmm. And he does a really unique and special thing around gratitude. And I just saw, I just thought that was such a great hootenanny <laughs> of a guy <laughs> that I met in such a unique setting. And it's just been a thrill to watch him shine and his star to rise. And I guess our, our stars are rising in, in, you know, yeah. parallel paths in unique yet different ways. And it, and it was just so humbling. Mm. So whoever the fuck invented Ted, <laughs> you can thank him.
0: Right? <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> man. <laughs> that is such a beautiful story. And I hope you guys do get time to actually maybe share some pasta together.
1: No, oh, we've got all the time in a lifetime. That's the great thing. That That's is, the great thing. It's so wonderful for that. Well,
0: Thank you, Chris, for sharing that story, as well as all the other stories you've shared with us today. And it's really you know, enlightening for me to, to talk to you. And, and I feel really grateful for, for you for spending the time doing that today. And I'm sure our, our guests listening have been inspired by your thoughts as well. Thank you. So thanks very much, Chris. I hope you enjoyed listening to Chris today. You can find out more about Chris and his work at www.747club.org. And you could find Chris on Instagram at chris.shembra and on Facebook at cshembra and on LinkedIn at shembra. And I'm also extremely grateful for everybody listening to the podcast today. I hope you feel inspired and empowered by my chat with Chris to go out and express gratitude a bit more often. So why not take a moment now to ask yourself the question Chris always poses, which is, If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life who you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? And then why not hop on social media and share your gratitude story, who are you grateful for and why, with the hashtag JoySuperpowers, and join the conversation. And we'd love for you to also connect with us on social media through our newly created account, The Art and Science of Joy which you can find on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So please join the conversation there and help spread the joy. I hope you tune in next week for the next episode of the Art and Science of Joy podcast, when we'll be exploring the joy superpower of storytelling in the capable company of David
1: Intrater. Thanks once again for listening today, and have a beautiful day.